Welcome back to the first day of the rest of your life, guys. Monday evening football daily. So we're back. I'm Scott. I'm here with Nick. And we got some great takes for you. Talk a little bit about the NFL going on, what's going on around the league. And guys, tonight we have something exciting for you. Our first Monday evening football stream, if you will. We have an exciting thing with the Monday evening football stream where me and Nick, we're going to be previewing each Monday evening football game. So super excited about that. Tonight, I believe we have the Raiders um, versus the Ravens to kick it off. It's got the little, you know, the blue necklace here. Uh, so I think we know who who I might think is going to win that game. But I think, Nick, they have to tune in to see. Got to tune in, guys. You got to tune in to see for sure. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, you know, obviously we're going to have some predictions out there every week. But got to tune in. That's all it is. That's really all it is. Right. And, it's that easy. And. And I think just to kind of give like the people at home something to expect from it is that we're going to be making predictions and I guarantee you all of our predictions will probably be accurate, more accurate least, than a simulated Madden game. At least one or two. I would say. At least one or two. At least one. So, a lot of averages would say that we'll get some right. Yeah. So tune into that later tonight. That'll be, I believe, eight. Central time, nine Eastern, and then whatever it is on those West Coast, you know, who knows really math, what those time math. zones are out there. But yeah, exactly, math. So it it does make it hard. Um, but luckily tonight we do have uh, an East Coast team versus a West Coast team. So it's that you know age old adage of you know Tupac Biggie type of thing is what we got cooking for tonight's preview. I don't know if that's going to sway some of the decision-making, some of the predictions. I think maybe for Nick, it might. It might. I don't want to, I don't want to say for sure, but I think that uh, it could come into play. We're going to analyze it all, guys. We're going to analyze it all. That's going to be an aspect of it. But I tell you what, you know, another aspect of it is like, who have these guys picked up in the offseason? Who have they drafted? How have they made their team better? Did they cut all their guys? Are they rebuilding? What exactly are they doing? And more importantly, does their team feel validated? Do the players on their team feel like, hey, this team is bought into me? Because I'll tell you what, Nick, there's one player. Well, there's probably a couple players out there. But I think there's maybe one player as of late that is uh, maybe a little upset, a little uncertain if he's going to be with a certain team. And I say that's probably Julio Jones uh, after Julio. Being, left, being left off the, the schedule announcement. I mean – you're going to talk about putting all of your players out there and you're not putting your superstar player on there. To me, that indicates maybe you are moving away from him. Maybe not in a trade sense or something like that, but maybe you're trying to move your franchise in a different direction than the face of Julio Jones, which I will say good enough looking face to be the face of the franchise. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it's still Julio Jones at the end of the day. I think, uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking at it, I think he's definitely getting traded. Those rumors were swirling around around the draft. You leave him off of your your shit yeah. for, like, your schedule release. I mean, it's all indicative that he gets traded. The question is where. I I, I think an NFC team seems unlikely. So I, I think anyone in the AFC yeah. East could be a player for Julio Jones. I could see any of those four teams being a player for Julio Jones. Um, once again, I just, yeah, I think he's definitely out of there. I just think it's going to be hard, uh, for them to trade him to an NFC team. So 
You know, I think if you're an AFC team, you're like, but it's fucking Julio Jones, man. I mean, like on every team in the league, basically outside of probably three other teams, he's going to be the number one receiver the minute he walks into the into the building. Like, that's just a fact. On ninety percent of teams, probably. That's it. Yeah, you think he's getting a little older? Is that? What? <laughs> Well, I think he's get. I do think he's getting a little older. Older, but here's another thing: is like the Atlanta Falcons for the past three to four years, I haven't really watched. I haven't analyzed much of their game, and I think maybe for one or two of those years, Julio was hurt uh, potentially for yeah, yep. maybe didn't wasn't making it through the season healthy all the way through. So it's just, I don't know. That Atlanta Falcons team is interesting to me because it seemed like for quite a while there they had some star-studded players. And they were a very good team, and it just seems like they've fallen off, you know. But so I guess that's maybe where my confusion with Julio Jones lies because one, I just haven't seen enough of him in recent years. I know he's a, a playmaker, freak human athlete, you know, a monster, really, so, just a walking, yeah, just a, a, a specimen, really. And, like if you, he is, yeah. he is an absolute monster. Yeah, and I I do say ninety percent of the teams because you do have the Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, you know, those types of caliber receivers that it's not so clear if Julio Jones goes to those teams if he is the number one receiver on that team. That's why I say ninety percent. Right. But yeah, any team he goes to outside of those few teams, yeah, immediately playmaker. You know, so it it will be interesting to see where he falls. But yeah, freak human being can definitely just go up and get the ball. Absolutely. All day long. Dude's a monster. He's going to help someone. He's going to help someone. I mean, that's for I sure. Think, you I got think, it. I, oh, for sure. You know, you got to think like realistically he played, you know, in the Super Bowl against like, you know, uh, the Tom Brady experience. And he, he plays a basically the most ridiculous Super Bowl of all time, right? 28-3, that whole deal. And you just got to wonder if he wants to get back, right? That's a curiosity that I have, too, on his side of things is like, you know, is he going to go yeah. try to ring chase or not? How much uh, how much leverage does he actually have, right, with his trade situation? You, yeah. don't, you don't know for sure, but for I, sure. I think that's a – And that's – Yeah. That is like the sloppy thing when it does come to trades and – I mean, with this Julio Jones speculation, it's just that's what it is. A lot of speculation, you know. Absolutely. Like we're talking, we're talking about a schedule announcement. Yeah, right. right. And him not being on there, right, you know. Right, so right. yeah, it's a slower news week, but hey, you got to fill it with something. Yeah, no doubt. But speaking of sloppy trades, sloppy situations, um, let's just shoot over to the other dumpster fire that's happening in the NFL, and that'd be the the Houston Texans, and what's going on with Deshaun Watson, which, to be honest, ever since everything has come out, I know he's getting closer to, to, I think, settling outside of court, maybe, or there was something that I read, but I haven't heard much about Deshaun Watson after everything came out. It just seemed like the things shifted to the matters that he had to take care of in his personal life that, you know, hopefully... He didn't do because you don't ever want to see someone do that. But if he did, you know, he does need to be held accountable for that. But if we're sticking strictly to football, David Cooley, he said, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really answering any questions on Deshaun right now, which to be honest, sounds probably, about right. Sounds uh, about right. Yep. A smart, a smart, uh, 
a smart uh, a smart answer. He's probably up there like, cut it out, you know, Dave, David Coulier. Um, <laughs> oh, Cooley, sorry, different guy. Different, different guy. guy. Full house man himself. Yes. So, yeah, just a, a, a very unique situation happening in Houston there. And I know our boy Pat over there, he's talking about that. That guy, Jack Easterby. But, yeah, I don't, I don't expect much to happen out of Houston this year or next year. To be honest, I could, I could really see that team being removed from the NFL and then maybe brought back another, another few years later because that's, <laughs> this seems what happens with the, the Texans. So, the Texans have a, um, they, they have had an interesting uh, historical, uh, they, as a franchise, they have a very interesting yeah. history. You know, they have, they, <laughs> they may be headed back to the David Carr days. I agree with you. <laughs> yes. So just crazy, crazy how, how they're handling that situation over there. But, you know, some other situations that are developing around the league that I'm kind of excited for, but I am kind of excited for Urban Meyer and what he's doing down in Jacksonville. And I think a lot of people are looking at him and are just a little bit in disbelief in what he's doing down in Jacksonville. Uh, because he looks like they're trying to move Travis Etienne, who they just drafted. And I believe first round, correct? Yeah, I think so. Yep. And and they're looking to make him into like the next Percy Harvin. Um, I guess another guy that might fit like the role is like a Tariq Cohen, like out of the back, you know, catch in. Um, but I think what Urban Meyer is doing is he's getting his best players on the field. And he doesn't care. Maybe you're not in the position that you're most comfortable in, but you're going to give us the best chance to win. And that's what I think Urban Meyer is. His take is down in Jacksonville. We're going to see how it plays out. But I'm, I'm going to be – that is a team that I'm going to be eager to watch on Monday evening football this year. Yeah, Urban Meyer, man, he was – that was always his thing, right? Even when he was in uh, – when he was coaching in college, his, his biggest thing was that football is simple. You just have to get the ball into the hands of your best players. That's all it is, basically, is you figure out ways to get the ball in the hands of your best players. It seems like he's taking that, that theory to the NFL, but I'll be honest, like, all that gimmicky college bullshit never works in the NFL. Look at Chip Kelly. That dude flamed out, like – it's it's yeah. it just never works now granted with chip kelly you, get, you it, get one year out of it it'll work early exactly it'll work early because it's a new teams aren't exactly expecting it but i think urban meyer i'll be curious to see the way that he is actually going to uh have that team you know the the like i'm curious to see how it all fits together and how much of that gimmicky bullshit he tries to pull because it's yeah. it's the jaguars do not have a very good roster and I think if if you're trying to run a lot of gadget stuff, you're going to move this guy over here and move that guy over here. Like, it is a little bit different. I think, you know, when he's speaking about Percy Harvin, I think he's speaking about Percy Harvin in the role where he had him at in at F- Florida, right? And it's like, yeah. yeah, Percy Harvin in the NFL was a very different thing. You know, he's a very different, different mm-hmm. thing. And I'm not saying he wasn't a good player, but I just think uh, I, I'm curious to see how Urban Meyer actually does a lot of this stuff. I'm not a huge Urban Meyer fan personally, so... You know, that's just kind of my my take on it. But I think early on, Jaguars probably get win a game that they shouldn't early on in the year. I bet you there's a game you could bet where they're like yeah. in a, where they're a home underdog that you could probably, you know, they might be able to make something Absolutely. happen. Um, you know, especially with fans in the stands, you got the Tebow experience there. It's gonna be a fucking roller coaster down there, I tell you what. But Oh, for sure. Either way, and, yeah, I agree and- with you though. Um 
on his, uh, you know, he's trying to get the ball in the guy's hands. I get it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a way to get that kid involved first year, ready to rock, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, but I think you did touch on it. The, the Tebow thing, the Tebow thing is probably the most interesting development down in Jacksonville. Now, did he, he signed with Jacksonville or are they still, I think they're still working. I think they're out. still working through that. Okay. All the indications have been that he's going to though. So, you know, I'm kind of, that's sure. kind of what I'm, and it's looking like. It'll be, it'll definitely be interesting to see. We finally got what everyone told him he should have done since the beginning, but also I got to respect Tim Tebow for not wanting to do that. And, you know, and saying, Hey, I'm going to go live this out. And you know, that guy's coming into training camp in just like the best, physical shape of his life oh no doubt no doubt no doubt about it like come on he looks huge there's some of the pictures on me looks yeah he looks fucking huge man like it's it's insane so that'll be interesting to to see and you know he's the type of guy that he will definitely put in the work to become the best tight end yes i mean you watch him with his baseball career and stuff like that like that dude he knows two things. He knows God and he knows hard work. That's it. That's what it is, man. Put it on a t-shirt. That dude could get it <laughs> yeah. tatted on him. That is all he knows for real. He's the, he's the equivalent of SpongeBob's fine dining and breathing. It's God and hard work, you know. That's all he's let, got, man. Let everything else sort itself out. So hey, sometimes that's all you need, um, right? I can't, uh, you know. Absolutely. Big big Tebow uh, fans absolutely. here on this show. Yeah, for sure. Big Tebow but, fans. You know. Switching position is definitely a tough thing to do, especially when that's quarterback to tight end. Now, the Giants signed Kelvin Benjamin from a wide receiver to a tight end. So he's going to come into that Giants offense as a tight end, which, to be honest, I think for him is probably a move that will benefit him tremendously. He didn't always get it going or wasn't able to put those yep. uh, complete games in. I think a lot of people thought it had to be the Mam Newton era. Interesting to see if like put him as a tight end and maybe as like a third or fourth option for Daniel Jones over there in New York. You got Saquon Barkley in the backfield. That could be an offense that surprises a lot of people and put some things together if Kelvin Benjamin as a tight end pans out. I'll be interesting to see how how he does blocking and things like that, you know, in the run game. But I think it's clear that they're clearly bringing him in as uh, as a wide receiver threat at the tight end position. Yeah, I mean, six five, like two fifty. He's a big ass dude, and you throw him out yeah. there. I, what I'm curious to see is because I think he could work in that spot, and then and then like we talked about with Tebow, right? It's similar. I wonder if if it pans out this year, right? A lot of teams in the NFL that have success, especially right now, have very good tight end play. I wonder if, if like you said, if that Giants offense looks good with him in that spot, do we see some guys look to make that transition? Especially as they get a little later in their career, some of these bigger wide receivers, do they look to make that transition? Um, you know, as they get as they get a little older, like if you know how it's a copycat league, and it's like if Kelvin Benjamin has some success at tight end. Next season, you might for see sure. four or five guys jump over to tight end. You've got, and yeah. some of these tight ends that got drafted are these weird hybrid guys, right? Um, where they're they're yep. they can kind of uh, they they look like receivers. They'll line up in the slot sometimes. They'll line up out like or almost like uh, it's like they'll line up off of the line. Really, like they'll kind of be like yep. in these weird like gadget kind of spots. And I think teams like it, so I would not be yep. shocked to see this become a trend. Yeah, and take a guy that like Mercedes Lewis, 
you know, who's been in the league for a long time at the tight end position, yep. but that's not a guy that's overly big, you know, like muscles, like obviously taller and things like that, but he's not someone who's huge. So, you know, it really could be a thing where some of these bigger tight or bigger wide receivers, you know, make that shift, especially a guy toward the end of his career that wants to play another four or five years in the league that I think we might see that shift actually happen more and more throughout the league, um, which is something that is interesting. I like to see the hybrid of the NFL where, you know, things change. And like, before you know it, like you have a ton of quarterbacks going in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. And which is something that, absolutely. you know, historically wasn't always the case, but now you, you've seen the, the change and everyone realized it in the NFL. Like, Oh no, we do need, we do need a, a great, you know, a franchise quarterback. So maybe with this, um, maybe takes a little longer because it's probably not something as noticeable. But I think if Kelvin Benjamin revives, revitalizes his career with the Giants, it's definitely going to turn some heads in that direction. And I think you got a guy with, with Daniel Jones who, who can get him the ball. Yeah, for sure. You know, so I think, I think that will be, will be nice, you know. In the NFL – who we don't really know who's going to be getting their wide receivers the ball at the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah And I we think do. you know who I'm yeah. talking about. I know exactly who you're and talking that, about. That would be the Chicago Bears. Matt Nagy comes out and says, Andy Dalton will get the first team wrap. So we're just what to make of this. I mean, Dalton, he's your, your guy. I mean, he's your guy. I've talked to Bears fans. And some of them say Andy Dalton. Some of them are very excited about Justin Fields. Like I said, I think Justin Fields, they might have found their guy. But as John Madden famously says, when you got two quarterbacks, you got one. No, just kidding. When you got two quarterbacks, you got none, is what they say. (laughs) That is what he says, yes. (laughs) So we'll see. Now, have I think the era of football has moved a little bit from the John Madden era? I do. But I still think when you have two quarterbacks, you have none because the problem with that is now you have to, you really have to be able to analyze which of these quarterbacks is going to help your team. And you have to do it in such a way that your fan base is on board with your decision. And I think that's something that the Chicago bears get wrong so many times. Just infinite, infinite amount of times. they just they they make they do their decision, and then the fans react. But it's not like, hey, we're laying this out so you understand. Like maybe when you get a first round quarterback, you don't put them all over your Instagram page. Yeah, that might be that might like, be all something. over your Instagram page. <laughs> that might be like, a good idea. That that's just because to me that's the expectation. Now I understand that it's a few. Like you know, you come in. You know, he gets his draft picture, you know, a couple of pictures of him at the facility, stuff like that. But you can't turn your whole page because, like, now Andy Dalton, I mean, obviously he has people on his team, like, within his team that they're going to let him know that. And I think Andy Dalton knew what he was getting into when he was coming to the Bears. So, I mean, he's probably not extremely shocked. He knows he's in in for a battle. And I think Andy Dalton will, will bring his best, and that'll be exciting to see. But I'm going to be honest, Nick, I just don't see Andy Dalton starting 
past week three. I I couldn't agree with you more. This is uh this is this is not some <laughs> this is not skipping Shannon. We're not gonna. This is not. I'm not taking the <laughs> other side of that argument. I agree wholeheartedly. I think. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the nature of the Bears, man. In the history of the Bears, this is what they do. This is what Bears fans do. We know it well. You know, you and I know it very well. Yeah. Like this is this is what they do. I don't know if this is what they were doing back with George Hallis. You know, I'm not that old, but like <laughs> in my lifetime, I mean, for 30 years, this has been what the Bears do. They just have an absolute dumpster fire at quarterback, and the fans are very quick to want a new quarterback when things go poorly, and I agree with you. I think Andy Dalton comes out this year. I think he throws, you know, a pick. Like, the first time he throws a pick this year, they'll be chanting for Justin Fields. It's the reality of it. Like, you have to name Andy Dalton the starter. I get it. I understand why that story's out there. You kind of have to, but, man, like, that fan base is does not give a shit about that. They really do not care. Like the Bears name Matt Nagy coming out and saying Andy Dalton's our starter means literally nothing to the Chicago Bears fan base. No. It's not like they trust him you, and you they should. shouldn't. They shouldn't trust Matt Nagy, but they definitely do not. And that means nothing to them. They want Justin Fields. That's the reality of it. There's no real other way around it. Yeah, and I think, you know, Justin Fields gives you the most upside between the two. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. And, I mean, I, I will say it, but, like, I am I do feel bad for Bears fans because, like, this is, like, the situation you do not want to be in with your team is yes. you yes. have a terrible 100%. relationship with fast quarterbacks. And now this little molehill that was back in, you know, the late – or back in the 90s yep. has now became a mountain for the Bears to – to climb this, this, uh, you know, this big task to get a quarterback who is their franchise quarterback that is consistent and does put the best product for, for the bears on the table. It'll be interesting to see, maybe this is the bears years, um, you know, to come and, uh, win some games, maybe get over 500. They might have their, you know, guy who does you know solidify their team um at that quarterback position but it's really going to come down to the front office mm-hmm. and uh, the coaching staff and historically that you know that's probably been your organization's weakest uh aspect and if i was a bear fan you know yeah you've seen some progress this year with in terms of what the coaching staff has done and some of the the front office organization but I would be, I would definitely be emailing the Bears organization with your frustrations, much like you would a senator or you know a councilman or woman. Definitely make your voices heard. Say, hey, we yes. want good football back in Chicago. Let them know. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm not a Bears fan, but good football back in Chicago is good for the NFL. 100%. This is the third biggest market team. Yep. It's time we get it figured out, Bears. If not for your team's sake, but for the NFL's yep. sake, we just it just needs to be done. We need powerhouses. We need big city powerhouses. And you know, Chicago, you got a lot of stuff that attracts people. I don't know how you can't get some of these higher, uh, you know, free agents stuff like that. But definitely got to make a push. I did see over there, you know, staying in that NFC uh, division, Packers did sign Blake Bortles. Absolutely, Bortles, man. Which I'm happy about it. Get another, another veteran guy in there. He's cool, calm, and collected. 
I think he just adds to that quarterback room dynamic, which would be fun. Now, let me let but, me ask you this: What do you think, like NFL? Like, if you think about it, like the four largest uh, uh, markets in the NFL, right, are New York, LA, yeah. Houston, and Chicago. Those are the four largest markets. If you think about it, like for for the last, I mean, but basically ever since Eli Manning won that last Super Bowl. The Jets and Giants are awful. Yep. The Bears have been awful. The Texans yep. have been awful. And the San Diego, now the LA Chargers, have been awful. So I kind of wonder to yeah. myself, like, what, what does the NFL look like in a situation where the Jets, the Giants, the Bears, the Texans, the Rams, the Chargers are all competitive yeah. in the same year? We haven't really seen it. And I just, I, I guess my question is, like, does that, is that the type of thing that the NFL just bangs their head against the wall at their headquarters? Like, come <laughs> on. We would be worth 10 times more if these cities could figure it out. The teams in these cities could figure it out. So, yeah, I don't know if the NFL is really banging their head against the wall because a lot of these, you know, big market teams that underperform, I mean, they are still, I mean, they're still probably one of the biggest revenue builders in the, in the NFL, you know, and, yep. and the NFL does, does have like programs in to help like the smaller market teams. So, I mean, I think the NFL has kind of had like a, a level approach to it, but I'm sure they do. Well, they've had a level approach to it in history, but I'm sure they do beat their heads against the wall because, yeah, if those teams, those teams that you just named were all killing it, yeah, the NFL, the NFL would be, uh, it would be nuts, I think, especially worldwide, if you got those big market cities. Absolutely. I think that's, you know, so, I think it's 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 an interesting thing because other sports really have had success in those big markets over the, the last 20 years, and the NFL has struggled with it. I mean, if it wasn't for the Patriots and Boston being like a, a larger market, it's tough. I think it's tough when you've got, you know, Kansas City, and I, I'm, I like the people of Kansas City. I'm all for it. But when Kansas City and Tampa and places like that are what's holding up your league, Green Bay, that's tough when yeah. those are the markets that you're really trying to, you know, uh, showcase. I think it's tough when it's those smaller yeah. markets. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully, like you said, hopefully a team like the Bears can get it figured out. Giants, right? We talked about them, you know. Hopefully some of those larger markets, Texans, can absolutely. get it figured out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think this year with the, the fans being back, Nick, do you have like an uh, a take on that um, about – fans being back and how that could affect these teams and maybe maybe help those bigger market teams out. I do, yeah. So it's interesting. Um last season we you you had the first season in NFL history where you you didn't have a uh a chant like the uh the sorry, the home teams had a losing record for the first time in uh NFL history. That's what I was trying to spit out there. So First time in NFL history, your teams have a, a home teams had a losing record. And obviously there weren't fans in the stands, right? So I'm not saying that it's necessarily that that's a fact. It's a small sample size. It's one season. But you would think that due to COVID, realistically speaking, that is why home teams had the first ever losing record. Bring the fans back. Now, all of a sudden, that home field advantage comes back stronger than ever. But what I'm the most fascinated by, and I wrote about this in the newsletter today, is the fact that. In the NFL this season, they're going to play 17 games, right? So now teams are going to get an additional game, an additional home game, but it only happens to half the league. The other half of the league has to play that game on the road. 
So half of the league this mm-hmm. year is getting fans back and an additional home game. And I think at the end of the day, that's not only going to have a factor this year. I think that'll be proven. But I think that extra home game is going to be a factor to the point where the NFL will probably next season be at 18 games. Because the teams that uh, that are on the road for that game this year that lose that game and it impacts them in the playoffs are going to be frustrated enough to the point of like, why don't we just do 18? And at that point, the NFL wants to do 18. We all know that money grab. And so I think realistically, like, yeah. I think it's going to play out uh, this season with the fans back. I don't, I think it's going to be an advantage, but I also think it's going to help shape the league moving forward. Cause I really do think it's going to lead to adding that 18th game. Cause to be honest, like there's no other way to slice it. Like home field advantage matters and you're giving half of the league, like an extra home game. It, I don't see how that's sustainable long-term. So I think it probably results in adding that 18th game eventually. Um, or, and I shouldn't even say eventually. I think it'll be as soon as 2022. But anyway, yeah, I think uh, the fans coming back this year is going to be a big factor. And you'll you'll see that. I think you'll see some of these teams that traditionally have a home field advantage. I think you'll see them play pretty well um, this season. So, yeah, it's something, to, it's something to definitely keep an eye on. I mean, yeah. I, I kind of can't believe that it was it was the first time they ever had a losing record, you know, the home teams. So kind of crazy. Yeah, that is kind of wild. And especially because, you you know, you have those veteran quarterbacks that can go into an opponent's arena, you know, like the Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady's, the Russell uh, Wilson's, those types of players that can go in. And without that crowd atmosphere, you know, they can hear everything. They can communicate to their team on their offensive side. Like that's a cheat code, essentially, to be able to – Yep. communicate with your offensive side, which is Absolutely. normally not the case when you're going to the opposing team's, um, you know, venue. Yeah, absolutely. Wherever that may be. Absolutely. I think it's so, a, a storyline to keep an eye on this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you're vaccinated and you're back in the stadium, make sure you're clearing your head off for your team. You got to. Make some noise. Make it difficult. Let's really put the science behind this now, and let's do some analysis and just see how big of an impact us fans can make. Because that's what we stand for over here at FanCast TV. Yep. You know, especially the Monday evening FanCast. It's what we do. We are fans, guys. We need to sell. Do we do the best job when we can, when we're at the stadium, to give our team an advantage? I'm going to say a lot of teams don't. I'm going to say a lot of teams do. But keep that in mind when we get back out there and when we do this thing. The 12th man matters, right? The guys, fans. It's the been fans a lot matter. of fun today. The twelfth man matters. Yeah, unless it's the Seattle Seahawks twelfth man. In that case, they could pipe it down just a little bit. It does get a little too loud in there. I think we need to look at the engineering of that stadium. I think there might be some regulations that need to be altered just so it makes it a little less so loud. I they do get some noise complaints down at the police department there. So, you know, Seattle maybe look into that. But guys, Monday evening football preview tonight, preview show. We got the Raiders versus the Ravens. We got Derek Carr. He's still the quarterback over there, right? Uh, yeah, as of right now. As of right now, he certainly is. Him and John Gruden no, making it happen. Yep. And I think maybe one offensive lineman they got in this draft, I believe. That's about their whole they team. Let right? everyone else go. So that's going <laughs> to be – we'll be talking about that. And then Mar Jackson, who, uh, you know, it would be an interesting year to see what, uh, what he comes up with on the Madden cover. I think that plays into our, uh, you know, analysis of the game. But that'll be a very exciting one, and I believe that's at 8-9 Central, 8 
Central, 9 Eastern, you know how those things go, and then whatever it is on the East Coast time, or West Coast times. Absolutely. We don't know those. But, guys, it's been a pleasure bringing Monday Evening Football Daily Show to you with Nick. And, hey, Jabronis, you go uh, have a great Monday. I don't know, maybe go watch Pat McAfee or something. Something like that. We'll see you guys later. <laughs>